Good morning. We thank the Lord for giving us this opportunity to be here today. I started coming in this area in 2011. And um, in 2011, we came for the wedding of Joseph and Anne, and we did not have the opportunity and the privilege to be in this church. Then in 2013, we also came around, and we were also planning to see whether we can get to this church but much of the time which we were supposed, were supposed to facilitate for our coming was spent in an airport where we spent 27 hours. And therefore, in 2013, that did not happen. But then, then the Lord planned for this time round. And uh, last Sunday... We were here. Yesterday, we were here. Today, we are here. And next Sunday, we hope to be here. Some of you may not know my wife, who is the mother of Joseph and Anne, and the grandmother of Ariane. I think it's in order or appropriate just to tell her to stand up so that you may see her. And she can also bring a greeting from Kenya. Um, we come from a church called Africa Inland church. It was established by the Africa Inland Mission. It's a church that we have grown in. I am of the third generation Christians of that church, meaning my grandfather, mother, we are the first people who are reached by the missionaries. My father, mother, and then us. From there, Joseph and Ariana. They are carrying on that faith. And uh, the church in Africa, as the church here, will be struggling with the faith, to grow, to be established, to be rooted. Because it's not just enough to believe in Christ. It's just not enough to accept Jesus Christ and uh, earn a place in heaven. The Lord is calling us to grow in the faith. For the few days I have been here, one of the things I have learned of this church 
is that there are three things you cherish and value highly. One of them being the cross. I've listened to the people who have stood here and I have heard you elevating the cross and positioning it in your lives. I have also seen the Holy Communion which is related to the cross and the way you have made it a central point in the life of this church. And I have also seen the place of scriptures in the life of this church. As I have seen speakers, speaker after speaker, standing here and reading from the scriptures and applying in the lives of the members. And you cannot go wrong by positioning these three things in a church's life because they are the bedrock of the church. And I chose to speak on the third one because it describes the cross, it describes the Holy Communion, it explains them, it relates them to our lives. I have seen the church in Africa wrestle with the word of God as the word of God was written in the Middle East, as it traveled from different places, Europe, America, and other places, before missionaries from America came and reached us in Africa in the late 19th century. And as you look at the scriptures as they reached us, you see how as they have moved from one continent to another, each continent influenced them. And so you see the church in Africa struggle to interpret and relate the scriptures to their lives. I, my main work is to train pastors. For the last 18, pastor, 18 years, I have been training pastors. And I have noticed that the main thing that a pastor does, that the church does, and the leadership that guides them, is to know what the church has taken that the Bible does not describe for them or prescribe for them to be in the church, discover them, those things, and remove them out of the church. I have also noticed that the second responsibility of the church is to discover what the church prescribed to be inside the church 
and the church in a mistaken manner have removed that outside the life of the church. I've also discovered that there are things that the Bible doesn't spell out how the church should treat them. But some of us in the church have interpreted them as prescribed in the word and have given them to the church as something the church should obey where God chose to give freedom. And that's why I decided to talk to us about the place or the role of the word of God in our lives. And I chose the text that was mentioned by the speaker who came here earlier than me, and which I will also enrich with other passages in the scriptures. Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, so that, oh, sorry, chapter 16, and I will read, read from verse 10, chapter 3, verse 16, but I will read from verse 10 so that we may get the context of that verse. So you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering. What kind kinds of things happened in me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecution I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Apostle Paul begins by, first of all, narrating about his life, reminding Timothy, you know about me, you know my teaching, and remember the teaching of Paul 
is based from the scriptures. And he gave a few other areas of his life, like Paul's purpose, his faith, his patience, love, and endurance. And as he drew near the verses that I want to talk about, he talked about imposters, who basically were false teachers. Oh, instead of teaching, they were cheating. Let me say that again. Instead of teaching, they were cheating. And he calls them imposters. Or instead of building the people's faith, they were ruining it. But he mentioned to Timothy that you know the Holy Scriptures. You understand them. You were taught from infancy. As your mother, as your grandmother were singing your lullaby, they sang songs based on the scriptures. They started building your faith. This is what I am talking to you about, Timothy. Therefore, it comes to now, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Other Bibles say it's profitable. It's good. It's reliable. And it is useful for teaching, for hiding knowledge, for helping us understand, for knowing what is good, for knowing what is bad, for helping us draw the thin line between truth and the falsehood. It helps us understand the way the world was set and the way we should interact with it. It is there to correct us, to be used to rebuke us when we are not following the truth. It is there when we are hearing, when we are going, when we are trespassing, to tell us this is the way, follow it. It's also there to build us in righteousness. And um, the apostle Paul gives the reason why this should be done on verse 17. So that the man of God, the people of God, should be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, I looked at the church here. When I came, I found a vocational Bible study here. The first day I came in the church, there was a vocational Bible study here. And one of the things that I heard being talked about in the vocational Bible study was the intention to reach the community with the gospel. The intention to help the people know God. This text says that 
the way to equip God's people for every good work, including evangelism, including reaching the people around us, including helping them understand the cross and its place in their lives. It is through equipping them with the word. This text reminds me of the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4 where the apostle Paul was also talking about the unity of the church as a body and the work that the gifts of the Spirit were given for. And um, the Apostle Paul said in chapter 4, verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may build, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you look at um, these gifts enumerated from verse 11, apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastors and teachers, and others say pastor, teacher. They have to do with the equipping the believers. And when the believer is equipped, the church reaches unity in the faith. And notice the word, in the knowledge. In the knowledge. It's built in the knowledge. There's a lot of debate I have heard as I have entered a number of different Bible school classrooms about spiritual gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And one of the debates have to do with the cessation of these gifts, whether they were for the establishing men of the church in the 21st century, 
whether they were for all times. And I appreciate when the church engages in this great intellectual discourse because one of the gifts God gave them is intelligence. But I, much as I appreciate that debate, I appreciate the fact that the giver did not cease. And therefore I concentrate more on the giver of these things. And I believe is not under the dictates of anyone. If he chooses to enrich the church to build itself today, he can do it again. And so I don't engage in the debate of whether they see so whether they I just like to know the giver still exists. And he's as generous as he was from the beginning to today. I also know the giver wants the church to reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of its fullness in Christ. Under the Bible, the scriptures happen to be one of the tools given to the church to achieve this purpose. As we know it, as we learn it, as we think about it, as we encourage one another to dig deep in the word. Um, we all talk about the Great Commission, which I sometimes think it happens to be the Great Omission. Let me say that again. We all talk about the Great Commission, which I sometimes think it has turned to be the great omission. I know you know it's in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, we can turn there for, for a short while. So that I may link the great commission with the text we are thinking about and the place of the Bible in a believer's life. The place of the Bible in my life, the place of scriptures in your life, the place of the word of God in your life. It was after Jesus had risen from the dead. It's after the women had announced that he's no longer in the tomb. He appeared to the disciples as it is said in verse 16 of chapter 28. And they said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. When you hear many times people referring to the Great Commission, they refer to this section of go and make disciples. And they interpret that as go and evangelize. Go and preach the gospel. But they forget a disciple is not simply a Christian. A disciple is not simply a believer. A disciple is a student. A disciple is one who follows a rabbi. One who teaches. And uh, the area I'm calling the great omission in the great commission is verse 20. That is what I consider the great omission because I don't hear it referred to many times as Christians talk about the great commission. And they teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. The role of what Christ said in our lives is to help us obey Christ. Is to help us transform our lives to be the, like the life of Christ. In this book, if you read carefully in Matthew, as you move through the book, you will find the long sermon, which in some books it's called the Sermon on the Mountain, which Christ gave a long discourse. And in some other places he would say, you heard it was said, but I say, giving a very life-changing approach to the way religion was practiced then. The Jews had just walked around in many areas, like many, one of them was marriage. They believed when you quarrel with your wife or you have just a bad attitude about her, you would just write a small note and uh, hand it over to her and tell her, go in peace. And he said, you heard it was said. They asked him, what do you think? They said, it was because of the hard-heartedness of your hearts. 
He taught them about swearing. Because they used to swear with heaven, they used to swear with the temple, they used to swear with the all kinds of things. They told them, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. He told them again about adultery. He told them, you have heard it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. He talked about love. He said, it has been said, do not murder. But when you hate your brother, your neighbor, you're murdered. He also talked about the whole question of you have heard love. Those who love you and hate your neighbor. But he told them, actually, the scriptures do not have an enemy. It says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And he gave the whole example when he was asked a question in the book of Luke. The point I'm making here is that Jesus is telling them, you have a body of knowledge that I have given you. You have a body of knowledge, which was translated to scriptures to us, that you must pass to these people who come to me so that they may obey, so that they may heed, so that they may shape their lives after. The work of the scriptures in our lives is to shape our lives. The Bible is a chisel to remove that baggage that we should not bring with us to the church. And I want to draw your attention to the book of Judge of Joshua. The book of Joshua. The memory verse, the Sunday school memory verse that we learned from childhood. The book of Joshua. You know that verse, chapter nine, chapter one, verse nine. And we can begin it from verse eight. Um, and even if I asked you to recite it, to recite it, you can easily recite from the mind where God told Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I'm reading verse 8. I saw to their forefathers to give them, be strong. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law. My servant Moses gave you. Do not turn 
from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The Lord our God who is the author of the cross. The Lord our God whose plan brought to us the cross. Whose plan initiated the Holy Communion that we partake every other day is calling us to be practical students of his word. He's calling us to embrace the scriptures, walk with them, meditate on the scriptures day and night so that in order that we may be careful to do everything written in it. The scriptures are our guide into holy living. The scriptures are God's instructions to us so that we do not guess what we are supposed to do. I come from Africa where you know Africans can be notoriously religious. And the spirituality is not only found in the Bible but Africa as spiritually sensitive as it is they practice their spirituality as they grow up in the dark because they have no guidance. They have nothing to follow to know whether they are doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Our ancestors day and night they worshipped. Actually the debate is not whether they knew God the debate is whether the missionary introduced God to them or simply explained God. And it's a major debate. Let me say that again. The debate is not as to whether the missionary, whether the African knew God. That's not the debate. The debate is whether the missionary introduced God to the African or whether the missionary came and they found the African knowing God, only knowing him the wrong way, and explained it. Because Africans have been notor notoriously religious. But the challenge they have faced is because they did not have the scriptures which would train them 
as we saw in Timothy, which would train them to follow God's ways, which will help them obey God the way he is supposed to be obeyed. Make sure that, or be careful to do everything written in it. Make sure that, or be careful to do everything written in it. My brothers and sisters, I, I admire your craving for scriptures. I envy the way I see you abiding scriptures. I would encourage you to translate that into practice. The suggestion here is not that you do not, but I'm suggesting endeavor to do it more. Endeavor to do it more. Because when the scriptures are learned and are not put into practice, people suffer loss. And the gospel suffers loss. And ultimately, our God suffers loss. Therefore, I want to say the role of the Bible, the role of the scriptures in our lives is to sharpen us so that we may walk the way our God wants us to walk. And he has given us this light. Many other people of the world have never seen the scriptures. As you study the Bible day after day, study the Bible in a practical way. Um, for a long time, for a long time, the church had been treated to very long, boring readings of long sermons not related to life. And uh, the church would sit for long hours hearing page after page read by pastors on notes. How Bootman interpreted this, how Calvin interpreted this, how this other person, but rarely hearing how these scriptures relate to their lives. It's important to read the Bible and the newspaper. The Bible on one hand and the newspaper on the other end. Why? Because the believers, the church, obey God outside there. The church the believers do not obey Christ here. They obey 
God in the business place. They heed God's commandments when they are making business deals, when they are sitting around the table and the business is being discussed. That's when they disobey or they obey God. They obey God when there is a dispute between the husband and the wife. That's where they obey God. Not here when we are raising our hands, worshiping God. Or in Kenya, we believe there are some people with the sanctity of immobility. They hold their hymn books like this. And they sing and they never move. When I grew in AIC, if you played one of these things, the following Sunday, if there was only communion, you would not be a communicant. These ones. They were good for exercising demons among the communities. So that time, everything was sanctity of immobility. When you move a little bit like this, it's communicated. Today is a different case. In Kenya, there are churches, if they have not walked around this room worshiping and knocked the walls, they have not worshipped. I don't care which one. Because it's God who decides which one. But whatever we do, if that is not coaching us, training us to know how to obey God in our workplace, to know how to obey God as we meet in places where in social places, then we have not earned any benefit from the scriptures. Therefore, my encouragement today is as you read, as you study, study the Bible and study the culture. Because it's the culture that undermines the teachings of the Bible. And if you don't understand it well, and you don't relate it on a daily basis, you don't cause the scriptures to challenge it, it can infiltrate in the church without people knowing. It can undermine the church from within. Actually, you know, the Bible says false teachers we are not from there. They are from within. From here. They just went out and came back again. So I encourage you to give the Bible its role in your lives. I encourage my, myself to give the Bible the opportunity so that it may do is good work in my life of shaping me. And listening carefully at the Bible and listening what 
the world. As I train pastors, one of the things which saddens my heart, and I train many of them of all kinds, from every denomination, I, others, I don't even know whether they are denomination or what, is how many pastors have perfected the art of relevancy. Let me say that again. As I train pastors, and I walk with them, and I help them, one of the things that saddens my heart is to see how the pastors have perfected the art of relevancy. You hear them and you can tell these people have no clue of what is happening there. And if they do, they don't care about it. They don't care when their members, if they are working in the aviation industry, they are going for strike. They don't care. They think those are other people. They don't care when the teachers are going on strike. They don't care when there is politics, like in Kenya there is politics now. The believers, the role of the Bible is to shape the opinion of these people so that when they are doing politics, they can obey Christ. When they are doing business, they can obey Christ. When they are nurturing their children, they can obey Christ. When they are seated in a train going to Toronto and interacting with the people, they can obey Christ. Because we obey Christ in our day-to-day life. May the Lord help us to learn to dwell in the word and to be careful to do everything written in it so that we may prosper. It is that knowledge which will build us together, unite us together as we saw in Ephesians so that this body will build itself as it brings many more people and the people find growth in love, growth in everything and the Lord will be praised in our hearts. May we pray shortly. Heavenly Father, we thank you because of giving us the gift of your word. Many people have searched for truth day and night, spend a lot of their energy, spend a lot of their resources searching to know how to worship. But as for us, 
we have the privilege of having your word, which gives to us in details the way we should approach you and which positions the life of Christ and the work on the cross in our lives in a way we can appropriate that work in our lives so that we may be forgiven our sins to relate well with you so that we may be built in this faith and be equipped for every good work. I pray for this congregation. Commit them in your hands, our Father. As they treasure this word and as they read the word and as they relate it to their lives, under the ministry that you have given them, that you may give them special insight in your word. Pray for the good work of the Holy Spirit that it will lead them. And uh, our Father and our God, when we hear how the Spirit has been their guide, how he has been their mentor, how he has been their coach, and we see them being transformed from one degree of your likeness to another, we shall thank you. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your sacred scriptures with them. As you bless them, I pray that you may bless me too. May your will be done in our lives. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.